Everybody understands the problem. Yes. Healing ministry of Jesus over here, cross over here, two separate things. Therefore, the cross has nothing to do with physical healing. Therefore, to say by his wounds were healed has nothing to do with physical healing. That would be the argument, all right? So, who's believed our message? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering or sickness, like one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. That's what Matthew just quoted, right? That's the healing ministry of Jesus, according to Pastor MacArthur and many others. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. In other words, we see him suffering. That's just when he's carrying our sickness and diseases. We thought he's suffering for his own sins. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds were healed. All right, so here's the question. When did we think, and here's the people of Israel saying this in retrospect, when did we look at Jesus and say, ah, he's suffering for his own sins. Ah, he's being punished for his sins. When did we do that? No, no, no. The Jewish people as a nation, when did we think that Jesus was paying for his own sins? On the cross. Agreed? All right. But Matthew says that's, well, well, hang on. Is Matthew quoting this wrong? Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds were healed. So when we who rejected Jesus, when did we say he's suffering for his sins? When he hung on the cross, right? But this is when it says he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. When we saw him suffering, we thought it was for his sins. We didn't realize it was for our sins. But, but, but hang on, Matthew applies that. Matthew applies that to the healing ministry of Jesus. But Isaiah's applying that to Jesus dying on the cross. So how does that work? Very simply, look at it like this. Jesus comes into our world and begins to take on himself all of our pain, all of our sickness, all of our problems. Picture it like this. Let's have a giant V, okay? So at the top of this V, Jesus comes into our world, and he enters into our suffering. He comes from the glory of heaven into the filth of this world. And then when he begins his ministry, you ever minister to a sick person after sick person? This is not some pleasant thing. Every kind of disease, sickness, people demonized. You know, look, I, if I had the choice of preaching to a bunch of folks like you, right, a, a crowd of 100,000 people, and you're here, you're hungry, thirsty, want to hear the word, I would rather that than be put in the midst of, of 100 demon-possessed people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's not fun ministry. And you're driving out demons, and, and, and you know, I, I remember... One time I was determined to see a breakthrough after God had gotten hold of me in 82, 83, and, and we had, were bringing all those people, I mentioned from a health-related facility, the cripples and, and different ones. So I just decided I, I've got to see a breakthrough. 
and I'm going to go there and minister to this. Some of them, their, their minds weren't right, but many of them, their minds were fine, but physically they just couldn't find you. So they looked terrible physically, but they could understand you. And I remember I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go there and have a healing meeting. And uh, uh, so the people knew me, you know, they knew me from the church, and every so often I would visit there. And uh, so I, I, I went in this one room, and it was a pretty small room, and I just began to teach out of the scriptures. And I remember as I was teaching that, that some of them just started to kind of press in on me. And it was a small room, and they just started moving towards me. And some of them, I mean, looked terrible. They were, they were terribly disabled. And, and, and others, you know, I don't think their minds were, were really there. And others under demonic oppression, and others just, you know, sick. And, and I remember it, it was kind of a scary feeling for a moment. You know, and, 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 and then it, what's going to happen? Now, we did see, thankfully, we saw some breakthroughs that night. It was not in vain. We saw some things happen. But that's not the kind of ministry you dream of doing, you know? Yet Jesus comes into our world, and, and he takes on him our sickness, our pain. He enters into our, our suffering. So, so picture like this V just going all the way down until he gets to the very root cause of our suffering, which is sin. And he nails that to the cross. He dies for our sins. He doesn't die for our sicknesses. He dies for our sins as a result of which we're forgiven of our sins, our minds are restored, peace comes to our lives, healing comes to our bodies, and, and ultimately one day we'll be physically resurrected, never to sin again, never to be sick again. So he comes into our world, that's the V on this side, dies for our sins, and now as a result of the cross, all these benefits come our way. In other words, his whole ministry was a ministry of substitution. His whole ministry was taking on himself the sin and the pain and the suffering of the human race until he descended to the root cause of it all, namely sin, and died for our sins. So when we say, by his wounds we're healed, yes, first and foremost, spiritually. Healed, forgiven, reconciled to God. But as a result of that, healing can flow to the whole man. Now, I, I had one friend. <clears throat> I didn't know him before he was saved. But he was a, a heavy drug addict. I believe drank a lot as well before he was a believer. And he was physically in terrible shape. Maybe around 30 years old. But in really bad shape. I mean, already organ failure and things like that, kind of a shriveled up guy. And when he surrendered to the Lord, knelt at the altar and wept and got right with God, that when he stood up, he looked different to people, literally looked different. And when he went to the doctor, the doctor asked him what happened and gave him, you know, comprehensive physical, the th things that were failing, liver, whatever else, everything was fine. And it was like he'd gone from 30 to 12, say a 30-year-old guy that looked 50 to a guy that looked 20. And for the rest of his life, he passed away just a few months ago. But he always looked much younger than his age. It was a funny thing. He always looked much younger. And he would always share that testimony. Now, that can happen. That's almost like an instant sign of what we're talking about. But everything flows out of that same source. It all flows out of the cross. So is healing in the atonement, I, I, I like to ask it like this, is restoration and salvation... Of course, there's healing for the whole person. We don't receive it all in this world, right? Ultimately, when we're resurrected, that's when we receive the full benefits of everything at the cross. 
but it's all available through the cross because the root cause of all human suffering, namely sin, has been dealt with. So by dealing with sin, you now open the door for healing to come to the whole man. Now, since it's, it's almost 12, I'll, I'll just teach a few more minutes and then we'll take our break and then we'll resume with Q&A and, and we want to be doctrinal and practical in the afternoon. In other words, we will look some more at Scripture and, and understand why we pray for the sick and expect healing today. But we want to be as practical as we can. Because again, this is anything but abstract theology, as my demonstration proved. <clears throat> All right. So uh, let's go back to Matthew chapter 10, verse 7. As Jesus sends his disciples out. Verse 7, as you go preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, synonymous in the Gospels. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely received, freely give. Now notice, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, drive out demons. Got that? Now, go over to Luke chapter 9. We'd seen that it's a parallel, sending out the 12. Luke chapter 9 He gives them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Got that? He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So again, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, go hand in hand. Now, very interestingly, chapter 10, he sends out the 70. All right? Verse 8, chapter 10, verse 8. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. So Luke 9, preach the kingdom, heal the sick. Luke 10, heal the sick and preach the kingdom is here. In, In other words... You proclaim the kingdom of God is here. So God's, picture that light is, like, like a column of light is coming into darkness, right? Or, or, or this wind is just driving out all the rubble. This is a physical image. Here, the, the kingdom of God, which is spiritual, it's God's rule and reign. The kingdom of God comes in and drives out sickness and disease and demons. So preach the kingdom. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. God's coming with his power to set captives free, to extend his rule and reign over human lives. Preach the kingdom and now drive out those forces of darkness. Drive out those manifestations of sin. Heal the sick. Drive out demons, right? Now, Luke 10, heal the sick and then tell people the kingdom of God is here. You see it? So you you go minister to the sick, the sick are healed, and you proclaim the kingdom of God is here. This is the evidence, the manifestation of the kingdom of God breaking out among God's people. So that principle remains the same. As the kingdom of God is extended, it breaks the power of demons and disease. Here, you're ministering in the inner city to 
gangs, there's a lot of drug trafficking, violence, broken homes, right? Through the preaching of the gospel, the kingdom of God is extended. We're not talking in a human way. We're not trying to take over the world. We're not trying to establish our government on the earth, right? The kingdom of God is a spiritual thing. One day when Jesus returns, he'll set up a physical kingdom on the earth. But this is a spiritual kingdom advancing. So what would it look like if the kingdom of God advanced into the inner city powerfully? And there there was a, a whole block that was dominated with crack houses and prostitutes and gang violence, right? And people dying prematurely and families torn apart and everybody unemployed. And now the kingdom of God sweeps through. The gospel comes in power. Well, what would you expect to see? As people are radically transformed and radically born again, no more crack houses. Right? If that whole block, you know, the kingdom of God spread through that block, and, and, and a thousand people who live there, 800 of them got saved, you expect no more crack houses, no more gang violence, no more drug trafficking. And you also expect to see a lot of sick people healed. And now families coming together, And then, you know, little aberrations from those that aren't saved, but you'd expect to see transformation because the kingdom came. It's just like if the physical rain comes on the dry ground, you're going to see results. So the kingdom of God breaking out, what comes with that? Healing and deliverance are some of the greatest signs that the kingdom of God has come in power. And what does Paul say in Romans 14, 17? The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So the kingdom of God in our midst is a spiritual thing. What, what does Paul say in 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20 that, that, that he came with kingdom authority? All right? And, and then in 1 Timothy, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through 4, he explains that he didn't come with wise and persuasive words of human wisdom. He didn't want their faith to be in human wisdom. But he came rather in the demonstration of the spirit and power that their faith would not be in human wisdom, but rather in the power of God. All right, so the kingdom of God comes with power. And where the kingdom goes, sickness and disease are driven out. Sickness and disease driven out as the kingdom of God advances. This is part of what happens. Now, Jesus did not simply come and preach the kingdom and then leave, right? When, when he left, he didn't take the kingdom with him. The kingdom of God has been advancing in the world through the preaching of the gospel. Advancing in the Muslim world, advancing in the Hindu world, Hindu world advancing all around the world. And with the kingdom advancing is the healing of the sick and driving out of disease. So Jesus, by dying on the cross, strikes at the root cause of all human suffering, namely sin, And through that, at the cost of his wounds, there's healing for us, but not only spiritually, and that's first and foremost. When Peter quotes that, by his wounds you were healed, in 1 Peter 2, he's talking about salvation, he's talking about being born again, you were healed, you were brought into right relationship with God. But as we've seen, the Old Testament mentality of healing is not spiritual only. It is the whole person wholly healed. And therefore, although we know that we still physically die, Although we know that we still struggle with sin, even though Jesus has purchased victory for us, we know in the same way that healing is available for us, just like victory over sin is available for us. And rather than wonder, God, you have a purpose in making me sick, 
God, you have a purpose in smiting my child. Our attitude instead should be God is the healer. God who revealed himself as the healer to Israel all the more reveals himself as the healer through the person of Jesus. And, and remember, we have a great understanding of God through the Old Testament. It gets even clearer through the New Testament. It doesn't contradict, right? But it gets even clearer through the New Testament. So, so we'll, we'll end here, which means we have some more New Testament material to cover, as well as practical questions to answer. But we'll resume. I may just teach for a few minutes, then we'll go into questions, and then we'll finish up, okay? But, but let's end here. John chapter 1. John 1. Well-known verses, beginning verse 14. The Word became flesh, this Word that was with God and was God at the beginning. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, or God the only begotten, who is at the Father's side, has made Him known. So Jesus, full of grace and truth, brings glory to the Father, makes Him known. How many of you know the term exegesis? Okay, some of you. So exegesis is the, simply the interpretation of Scripture. It is the reading out of the Scriptures, the meaning that's there. Eisegesis is reading into it, my meaning. So I have my own interpretation, my own opinion, and I read that into the New Testament or the Bible. Exegesis is reading out what it says, okay? Interestingly, that's the, the word that's used in John 1.18, if you literally translate it to Greek, it's that the Son has exegeted God. In other words, he's giving us the real meaning of who he is. Hence our translations that say he has made him known. So Jesus comes into the world, and yes, he performs signs, ones, and, and, and signs, wonders, and miracles to demonstrate that he's really the Messiah, and to draw attention to him, because the signs, wonders, and miracles validate who he is. But they are also a reflection of the divine nature. All right? If you've seen me, he says, you've seen the Father. The works that I do, it's the Father doing it, dwelling in me who does the works. And he comes with this profusion of healing and deliverance and mercy. And all that come to him in faith, he heals, thereby giving us a revelation of the heart and will of the Father. You know, years back, those wristbands became popular, WWJD, what would Jesus do, right? And we normally thought of it in terms of conduct. Uh, you know, when, when we had this, this issue at the uh, airport, and they messed up my tickets and my, my assistant Dylan's tickets, and I, I, I got ornery. You know, I had to apologize to them. I said, I am so sorry. I said, I you know, did not act in a, in a ministerial way, because one of the guys said, where are you going to speak? I said, look, i got to get there. I'm the only speaker at a conference. He said, what are you doing in ministry? I said, but I haven't acted ministerial here. I said, I said this is the one area where I ever stumble with, with temper or attitude, basically, is, is at the airline counter when they mess up tickets, you know? <laughs> uh, 
So, you know, what would Jesus do? Well, not act the way I acted there initially. And they said, now we're not offended, we understand. I said, yeah, but, you know, and we were all laughing about it. And, and, whether I, and this was before I knew I was getting on the flight. You know, I, I was, you know, and, and, and so on. And, and anyway, that's how we know they think of it. What would Jesus do? You know, be kind. But, but what would Jesus do in terms of healing? And that's a question to ask. When someone comes up for healing, what would Jesus do? Well, we know because we've seen. Just like he forgave the sinner, just like he was compassionate, we know what he would do. So the question is, okay, did he give us, give us the deposit to continue that? It's good logic, but did he give us the deposit to continue that? That's what we'll look at to finish this up uh, when we come back, and we'll take your questions as well. So make sure, organize your questions in your head as best as possible, and then we'll find out how we do the, the Q&A when we resume, all right? And let's expect an afternoon with no drama. (laughs) Praise the Lord. All right.